0: Well, for those of you that know me and have been a part of the Faith Covenant family, you know that I'm pretty big on the church holidays, the church holy days. You know, over time, the church, in her wisdom, established these holy days to mark the events of Jesus' life. Um, And there are certain holidays that we do really well, right? Uh, Like Christmas, we're really big on Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And there's so many hymns and songs and traditions that we do around Christmas time. Uh, and then we celebrate Good Friday, and then we, you know that we go big on Easter. Um, and even though we couldn't meet together uh, uh, in the sanctuary, we still wanted to celebrate as much as we could because we take Easter so seriously. It's a wonderful holy day in the church life. Now, if you had to guess, do you know what the next church holiday is that's coming up? Now, don't Google it. Don't, I can't see where you are, don't cheat, but turn to somebody next to you and say, get, just guess what the next holiday is if, if you're watching with somebody at home. Now, maybe you might guess that maybe Advent's coming up, where now we've gone through Easter, we're going to be back at Christmas in the December. Or, or maybe you guessed it's Pentecost if, uh, if, or ordinary time, perhaps. Uh, but actually, the next major holiday is Ascension Day. It's coming up on May 21st, and it's always 40 days after Easter, because it marks the time when Jesus ascended to heaven 40 days after Easter Sunday. Now, unfortunately, many churches have lost this tradition of Ascension Day, uh, and many Christians haven't been taught about it, and perhaps you've never even heard of it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident if you went to Jewel Osco, you could find a Christmas card, uh, you could find uh, an Easter card. You might even be able to find a Good Friday card. But I would bet you a lot of money that you will not find an Ascension Day card. You know, we, we don't do this, this Holy Day very well. We don't really have a lot of traditions around it, and we're not really familiar with it, but it's one of the most important events in Jesus' life. You know, we proclaim that we believe this when we say the Apostles' Creed, that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of of the Father. This is something that Christians believe, but it's also something that is one of the most neglected things in Jesus's life. And so part of the intention of this whole series is to address this issue, to talk about the ascension. Who is Jesus now in light of the fact that he has ascended to heaven? Where is Jesus? What is he doing? And how does that impact my life today? And today we're going to look at the actual event of the ascension. And now let me warn you, this is going to be somewhat of a meaty message. Uh, it's not an elementary teaching. It's not spiritual milk. Uh, it's more of that solid food, that, that meat that we're going to be diving into today. Um, it's a little theological, but it, it's, I think it's necessary because it's going to lay the foundation for all the things that we're going to talk about the rest of this series. Uh, so to help us understand this somewhat difficult topic that we're not as familiar with, uh, I want to frame this sermon around uh, the typical traditional questions of who, what, when, where, and why. And if you're following uh, at home, uh, I'd love to have you open your Bible with me. This sermon is based on Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. That was our scripture reading for today. And we're continuing where we left off last week. Uh, We had the 40-day period after Easter where, where Jesus is teaching his disciples He's establishing the leadership of the early church, and then he's appearing to people to prove that he is really alive uh, after his resurrection. But now, that 40-day period is coming to its dramatic conclusion as Jesus ascends to heaven. So let's start with uh, a very maybe obvious question of who. Who ascended? Who ascended? Now, this may, se- this may seem like an obvious answer, but it's actually super important uh, because the text says this. In Acts 1.11, the angels say this. It says, This same Jesus, this is the one who ascends to heaven. Now, when Jesus ascends to heaven, he's still Jesus. You know, Jesus did not become something else when he ascended to heaven. The one who reigns in heaven is Jesus of Nazareth. The one that we learn about when we read the New Testament, the one who is the one who is Lord and who is reigning right now, He is the one who walked the earth, who is human, who ate food with His disciples, who washed their feet, and even died on the cross. Yes, that is the one who ascended into heaven. There's a song from Elevation Worship called "Resurrecting" that we've sung a few times in our church, and I'd love for you to hear, just hear this beautiful poetry. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at his feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame, now robed in majesty. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not evaporate into thin air, Uh, he did not disappear. He did not become some spiritual principle. He did not become a distant memory. He did not become some legend that's faded into the past. No, Jesus Christ is still Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And friends, hang with me because this is super important. Jesus is still fully God and fully man. He is not separated from his humanity. You know, we say when, when Jesus' story begins at Christmas, we say that God took on our flesh and became one of us in the incarnation. He became human. And friends, Jesus did not take off his humanity when he went to heaven. He didn't become unhuman when he went back to heaven. You see, the body that the disciples touched after his resurrection to see if he was really alive, to see if he, he had really come back bodily, that is the body that ascended to heaven. Jesus is still human in heaven. I like, I like how Karl Barth puts this. He says, Jesus keeps our humanity to all eternity. It is the clothing which he does not put off. It is his temple which he does not leave. It is the form which he does not lose. Amen. You see, this is important because Jesus has now made it possible for human beings to enter heaven. Because Jesus in himself, he took human flesh, this sinful flesh, and raised it to new life and took it into heaven itself. And I think A.W. Tozer really captures this, captured this idea well. He says, in heaven, human nature was received embraced, welcomed, and enthroned at the right hand of the Father. Jesus took our decaying flesh, raised it to to new life, took it into heaven itself, and now he has opened the gates of eternal life for us mortal human beings. This is why we have the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. So, So Jesus is always fully God and fully man at the same time. And he is now. And this is the wonderful mystery that there is a human king who is reigning in heaven, even as we speak and listen to this message. And where Jesus takes his humanity, we can now follow him. So that's who ascended. A little theological, like I said. So let's go to a little bit easier question. How about when did he ascend? When did Jesus ascend to heaven? It's very simple. It's at the very end of his earthly ministry. It's the last thing that happens. It is the climax and conclusion of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, It really concludes the story of of Jesus' time on earth. But you'll remember that the story of Jesus doesn't begin with with the ascension. It begins with Jesus descending. It begins with the Son of God leaving the glory of heaven. And coming down, becoming one of us, and he keeps going lower. Then he becomes a servant, somebody who washes feet. And then the one who is so high and lofty, he goes even lower and dies for us in our place. And not only that, it's even lower. He dies a criminal's death on the cross. The story of Jesus Christ was one of descending and descending and descending and descending all the way to the lowest depths. So the conclusion of this, of this story has to be that the one who descended all the way is going to be raised all the way up to the highest heights of heaven. God the Father is exalting Jesus to his right hand and put it, making his name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess and every knee should bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God our Father. That is the conclusion of the story. And because it's the conclusion of Jesus' earthly ministry, it means that it's the beginning of a new age. You see, Jesus had been appearing to his disciples on and off during that 40 day period after Easter. and, And he tells his disciples to wait for the Spirit. And now that he is showing them in dramatic fashion that that period is over, the new age is beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and they will be his witnesses. Now, the age for mission in the power of the Spirit is at hand. And friends, that's the age we're in right now. Being Jesus' witnesses that he is alive to the ends of the earth. So that's when Jesus ascended. Now let's go to the next question. How about where did he ascend? Where exactly did Jesus go? Now, Um, Now, verse 12—actually, let me stay in the screen here. Okay, no, I don't have this on the screen. We're going to avoid that part. Uh, Verse 12 tells us that he ascended from the Mount of Olives, which is close to Jerusalem. But then we have to ask, well, where did he go? Now, verse 11 says, the angels say he was taken from you into heaven. Now, Friends, really hang, hang with me here. Track with me. Uh, because the word heaven can have so many different meanings. I mean, it's used in different ways, so it, it can get confusing pretty quickly. Uh, sometimes, heaven is referred to in spatial terms. You know, heaven is up there, and earth is down here. You know, sometimes the sky and the stars are called the heavens, and earth is here below. Uh, but this is simply a helpful metaphor for us. Um, heaven is not literally in the atmosphere of, of this planet. Jesus did not go into outer space. He's not the first astronaut that there ever was. He, does, he doesn't work for NASA. You know, you can't you can't take a spaceship out to go meet Jesus. As much as Tesla is making all these cool rockets, uh, we can't go up there and find Jesus. He's not in outer space. So it's not in, it's not this spatial reference. You know, but we also think of heaven in terms of the future. Uh, that it's, it's a place that you will go after you die. Um, it's, it's something that's kind of off in the distance in time. You know, and it's true that uh, those in Christ will be in heaven after they die. They will, they will go to be with the Lord. Uh, but it's not exactly what we're talking about here. Heaven is not, so, is not a place that's just somewhere else or sometime else. Heaven is is a present reality within our world. Let that sink in. Heaven is a present reality within this world. And we're not taught that very much, but it's true. I like what N.T. Wright says this. In the Bible, heaven and earth are two halves of God's created world. They, these are halves that they interlock they are they are part of the one universe that god has created now this kind of so- sounds a little bit lofty but really this is something that humans have kind of had a sense for throughout all of history throughout all of humanity and across cultures the world has had words and ideas and and phrases to capture this sense that there is something else in our world that we, that cannot be perceived with our eyes, and our ears, and our senses. There's something else going on in this world, and some people say you like to use the word spiritual. There is a spiritual realm around us, and I think that's a helpful idea for what heaven is about. Heaven is the spiritual dimension of the world that we inhabit today. It's uh, N.T. Wright calls it God's space, or or an earth is our space heaven is God's base and earth is our space and so often we can sense the spiritual realm around us at times we get glimpses of it here and there you know sometimes we just we're overwhelmed with the presence of God and in, in worship or or in prayer um, sometimes we feel a, a connection when a baby is bo- born or or when we're in nature and we're seeing beautiful landscapes but sometimes we also feel a disconnect we don't feel connected to the spiritual realm. Um, we feel disconnected spiritually, obviously, because we can't see the spiritual realm with our eyes. Uh, and there's a disconnect here because of human sin. That these realms, are not, they're interlocking in ways, but they're also disconnected in ways. But friends, this is why the ascension is such good news for us. Because Jesus has now bridged the divide between heaven and earth. So heaven is not just for the future when we die. Jesus has made the life and power of, of heaven available to us now. You know, this is why we're, sometimes we're confused. When Jesus told his disciples, it will be better for you when I go away. How could that be possible? But you see, Jesus as a human upon earth in the earthly dimension could only be in one place at one time. But if Jesus were to ascend into the spiritual dimension of heaven, Jesus can now pour out his Spirit on his disciples and always be with them in any place, at any time, all over the world. And friends, this is such, such good news for us. Let me give you an illustration that might help. Uh, There are a few scenes in the new Star Wars movies uh, involving the main characters, Kylo Ren and Rey. Now, uh, if it weren't for copyright, I'd probably show you the scene right now. Uh, but our video might be getting to, uh, get taken down if we were to show it. So I can't show you the scene, but I'm betting on the fact that many of you have seen this, or you'll at least catch along. Um, in many of the scenes in these, in the, in these new movies, uh, Kylo Ren and Rey are somehow able to communicate, even though they are galaxies apart they are planets apart they are across the universe from each other but somehow they are patched together by the force and there are many scenes where they're far apart but they can hear each other's voices they can speak to each other in fact it's almost like they can feel each other and see each other it's like they're in the same room they are present to each other across the known universe Friends, this is what the ascension is like, but it's even better and more powerful. You see, if you fly to the other side of the world, Jesus is still there with you. If you end up in the hospital room, Jesus Christ is still present with you. If you get thrown into prison, Jesus is still there. As you are alone in your house, you are not really alone. Jesus Christ is present with you. The one who has ascended into heaven is now with you by the power of his Holy Spirit. John Calvin said that Jesus was present to his people. He called it by the secret power of his Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not sure how it works, but we can sense it and we know it's true by faith that Christ is present with us through the Holy Spirit. So friends, even though Jesus ascended to heaven, that does not mean that Jesus is distant from us. It means that Jesus Christ is closer to you than your very breath. He is closer to you than the skin on your body. The Apostle Paul said, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Friends, this is a magnificent truth. Christ, the Lord of all, is in you. He's with you. He's in you. So he's not distant from us. He is with you, friends. He couldn't be closer to you. That's where Christ is. He's ascended into heaven, but by his spirit, he's with us. You know, and one final note I want to make about this point of where is Jesus? You know, the scriptures tell us that, yes, he ascended into heaven, but then he is seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, this is language for Jesus becoming and taking his place as king and lord of the universe. Now, uh, we don't have time to get into Jesus' kingship and how his kingdom is now available to all people. That's for a later sermon in this series. Uh, But I wanted to mention it because it answers this question. Where is Jesus? He is in heaven, reigning as the world's true king, and he is now present to all his people through the power of the Spirit that he pours out. That's where Jesus is. And then, yeah, so we know who ascended. We know when Jesus ascended. uh, We know now where he went and where he is. uh, But you might be asking the next question of what exactly happened? What happened in this account, in this story? Uh, Well, Luke writes in verse 9 that he was taken up. And then the angels say in verse 11, Jesus, who was taken from you. Now, notice that this is something passive that's happening to Jesus. The Father is exalting Jesus to his right hand, uh, and it's a glorious moment for Jesus. Then, notice in verse 9, it says, And a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, this is a fascinating piece of the story, okay? Because clouds have always been associated with the presence of God. If you remember the story, when the Israelites, the people of God, when they're wandering in the wilderness, they follow a what? A cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. These signify the powerful presence of God with them. And then we recently finished the book of Exodus in our Bible reading plan. And after, there's all these instructions for the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle, which hosts God's presence, when it's finally built, what happens? Well, let me, let me show you. Exodus 40, verse 34. It says, The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud is the glorious presence of God, the tangible, the the Bible calls it the Shekinah glory, the weight of God's presence. And this happens again. When Solomon builds the temple and it's finally built, what happens in 1 Kings? It says this. Here it is again, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Friends, you see the cloud what signified the tangible presence of God. And so the cloud in the, the story of the ascension It is the indicator that Jesus is now being fully enveloped in the presence of God. He's going back to God's space. He's going to heaven where God's presence fully and magnificently pervades it all. That's where God's glory fully is. There's no disconnect in heaven. The presence of God is fully there. And so the cloud takes Jesus from their sight, Jesus is now in God's base, then what happens? Well, verse 10, it says they were looking, the disciples, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, just like there were two angels uh, by the tomb uh, after Jesus' resurrection, two angels appear here as well. Now, and the biblical uh, law, that you, need to, you needed at least two or three witnesses to his, in, the, in the court of law to establish the validity of uh, a testimony or an event. And so these angelic witnesses, they are testifying to the truth that Jesus really was raised to life, and now they're testifying that Jesus really ascended to heaven. It's confirmed by these angelic messengers. And then they had a message to give to, to the disciples. Look what they say in verse 11. The angels say, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now what the angels say here is a lot of good meat here, and it leads me to my final question. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, there's many reasons, but number one, it matters because we have hope because our relationship to Jesus is secure. The main reason why there's this whole sermon, the rest of this sermon series, it is really devoted to answering this question. Why does the ascension matter? Why does the fact that Jesus has now ascended to heaven and is reigning at the right hand of the Father, why does that matter for my life? Well, we're going to cover that over the next many weeks. But today, I want to focus on how the ascension gives us hope. Because Jesus ascended to heaven, we have hope. We have hope that our relationship to Jesus is secure. I'll remind you again, the angel said, it's the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. And that means the ascension, it validates and it completes everything that Jesus did with his life, his death, and his resurrection And now all of those things, those benefits are made available to all of us because Jesus has ascended to heaven. So friends, that means that your faith in Jesus is never in vain. Our redemption from sin, our eternal life are secure. They are an inheritance that will never fade, never spoil. They are kept in heaven for us. Friends, the one who is on the cross is the one who is on the throne. So nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. We have this free gift and it's secure. Nothing can take, can take it from you. So we have this hope that a relationship with Jesus is secure. And we also have the hope that, be, that Jesus will come back. Jesus will return. You know, the angel said that this same Jesus is going to come back in the same way that you saw him leave. Now, we know that our salvation is secure, but that doesn't mean that everything is right in our world, right? Like, you don't need me to tell you that. You know that. Uh, But we have the promise that one day, when Jesus returns, when he comes back again, every wrong will be righted. Our decaying and sickly bodies will be resurrected and glorified and restored, and there'll be no more sickness and no more pain. And heaven and earth won't have this weird relationship. They will be fully united. will be united to the palpable, tangible presence of God. It's going to be amazing, friends. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be when our Lord returns. Everything will be right with our world. You know, many of us right now, we are longing for things to return to normal. We're longing to see our friends. We're longing to come back to church. We're longing to sing together and eat together and see our kids play together again. You know, and I think when we all come back, we're imagining that time when, when things are normal again. You know, if we're all longing that and, and anticipating how great it will be, think about how much greater it will be when heaven and earth are finally reunited when things are are how they should be, when we're reunited to God and all believers in multitude and billions of people all around from every tribe, nation, and language, and we're around the throne praising God and angels are surrounding the throne. Friends, it will be the most magnificent thing that we cannot even fathom it. Friends, oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout The victory. That is our hope, that Jesus is coming back, and he will make everything right. So we have hope for our future. So don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose the faith that Jesus is going to one day make this world right. It's a promise we can take to the bank. And finally, we have hope because Jesus is with us every day. He is with you every single day. Friends, this was Jesus's promise right before his ascension. He he commissioned his disciples, go make disciples. Then he promised them, and I will be with you even unto the end of the age. This gives us strength for today. It gives us hope that no matter how hard your circumstance, we have something within us that is even stronger. No matter how lonely you feel, we are never alone. Friends, we have so much hope because Jesus is with us every day. But friends, to receive the benefit of his presence, to receive the benefits of his peace, we often need to open ourselves up to it and to receive it. And the way that we do that is primarily through prayer and worship. And this is what the apostles do immediately after the ascension. In verse 14, it says, they all join together constantly in prayer. Friends, it is through through prayer and worship that you can enjoy and be empowered and be energized with the life of heaven itself. So friends, if you want to experience hope and peace during the season, don't simply turn to your distractions, to your diversions, or to your devices. No, friends, be empowered by God. Turn instead to prayer and worship And let the life of God, the life of heaven, so envelop your heart and your soul and let it empower you and energize you to face every day. The life and power of heaven is made available to you because of our ascended Lord. So friends, in closing, I believe uh, one of the stanzas from the wonderful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, it describes the hope that we have because of the ascension. Because of the ascension, we have thine own presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Jesus is our